0: Hi and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Alex Chesnell, Virgin Startup Mentor and founder of Startup U, regional partner for Virgin Startup, providing funding, mentoring and support for entrepreneurs. You're listening to Screw It Just Do It, a show designed by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs.
1: The main thing is if you have a if you have a good idea for a business, you know, as I say, screw it, just do it and give it a go. And you may fall flat on your face, but pick yourself up and keep trying until you succeed.
0: Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes with the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup (laughs) you. Today I'm joined by John Lee Dumas, US Army platoon leader turned entrepreneur and host of EO Fire, the top rated business podcast on iTunes. John's taken his business from $50,000 in year one to over $10 million in revenue and over 1 million social followers in just a couple of years. He's here today to talk about how he's achieved this and how by mastering productivity, discipline and focus, you can too. john lee dumas what are you excited about right now
2: you know i'm fired up about the mastery journal this has been my passion project for a year and to now actually be able to press the publish button on our kickstarter campaign and to see people reserving their copy and all the rewards and bonuses and perks that go along with it it's just been really exciting and i'm just fired up about getting this into the hands of fire nation
0: Awesome. And you, I believe probably this time last year, launched uh, was your first journal. So um, how did that do and what, what lessons have you learned by, um, by using a crowdfunding platform?
2: Well, there's a lot of benefits using a crowdfunding platform. I can say the biggest one for the majority of people is that with a crowdfunding platform, you have this opportunity to prove your concept Mm -hmm. before it actually has to be created. And so, so many people spend time, energy, and effort, Alex, just creating this product that they think people are going to want. And then they come out of the closet and they say, hey, it's available. I've been working on this for, for months or whatever it is. And then people are like, oh, that's cool, but no, I'm, I'm not personally that interested in it. And it flops. And mm. that happens over and over again. And guess what? It's okay when ideas flop, but what's not okay is when actual products and services and communities flop because you spent time, energy, and effort and money creating those things when you could have just found out that it flopped or that it was going to flop before you even started. I do things that flop all the time, but it doesn't hurt me or harm me that much because I don't spend the time creating it. I make, the, I make sure that they are proven products that people are willing to spend money on before I create. in, in crowdfunding and in Kickstarter and in Indiegogo, that can allow you to prove your concept.
0: And tell our audience, uh, n- not all of who may be familiar with, with you, how, how well did that first campaign do? And, and how's the second one doing so far?
2: So the Freedom Journal, which is how to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days it's this gorgeous faux leather golden boss journal um that guides you in that accomplishment of that number one goal in 100 days we launched a year ago january of 2016 and it became the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time, uh, generating over four hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars in revenue wow. in just thirty-three days. And to date, we've sold over nineteen thousand Freedom journals, which is just super exciting to see. Mm. And you know, it's well over eight hundred thousand dollars in total revenue. Wow! So it's been a, it's been a, a great success, a massive success, and it kind of had me follow up a year later with what I, I currently just shared. Which is the Mastery Journal: How to Master Productivity, Discipline, and Focus in 100 Days. So that's kind of my my current passion project, and it's a follow up on the Freedom Journal. And that just crossed two hundred thousand dollars in revenue. We still have like ten days remaining in the campaign, so still plenty of time left. And we're doing some really cool things.
0: Well, I wish you all the best with that. Um, and it, interested to know, has that been something that's been on the radar for for years, or? Is that something that's been born out of many of the conversations you've had with thousands of entrepreneurs that you've uh, personally interviewed yourself?
2: It's been on the radar for years uh, because I know that three skills and three strengths that I have – our productivity, discipline, and focus, like that's what's turned my business into a a seven-figure-a-year business. And so I've known that I've wanted to create a tool, a guide, a resource that would help people attain mastery of those three skills as well. And so when I saw how well the Freedom Journal did and that people are excited and interested in pledging and investing towards a physical product, I knew that I had something and the Mastery Journal was the result. And do you think
0: um, – so your your focus, your discipline, does that come from having been a, a serving officer in the U.S. Army um, or as you know, an my entrepreneur? My discipline
2: definitely had a big part of that. That's the thing that the Army really instilled in me was how to be a disciplined soldier. And so that was huge. But I will say, um, I had to develop on my own um, productivity and focus because those are things that uh, I did not have as strengths. Those are skills that I did not um, possess at the time of launching EO Fire back in 2012. But I realized that you're not going to win if you're just disciplined. You're not going to win if you're just productive. You're not going to win if you're only focused. You really need to combine those three skills to win on a major level. So that's why I have the Mastery Journal now that will guide people in mastering those three skills in 100 days. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: how do you go from, from serving as an officer in, in the U.S. Army to launching a business that, uh, to my calculation, has now generated something like 10 million U.S. dollars in, in literally just over four years, I believe?
2: Yeah, your calculations are spot on. We just crossed the $10 million revenue mark. Congratulations. And thank you. I'll tell you the answer to your question though is very slowly. It was right 6 years of struggle of trying to find myself, of trying different things, of failing, of, you know, just making mistakes and and learning and coming back a little stronger than last. And six years went by before I came across the idea of launching my daily podcast. So it was not this like getting out of the army, launching this business, having success. It was six years of struggle, of not being happy, not being successful. And finally, having the idea to launch what has now turned into you know, one of the top business podcasts in the world, it's allowed me to spin off products, services, and communities that generate over $10 million just in the, in the past handful of years.
0: Mm. And it's often the way, isn't it, behind this, you know, in inverted commas, overnight success, whether you're sporting, music, business, there's um, there's a lot more struggle in the background than actually getting there and, and overcoming failure. Um, and w- with yourself, was there a, a quantum leap from year one when you generated, like, uh, I was looking, which, which I love, is the income reports, like $69,000, <laughs> and then to literally go, like you say, in, in, in one month last year to, to bringing in something. Something like 450000 500000 Was there something that that really made that quantum leap from year one to, to the last couple of years happen for you? Anything you could put your finger on?
2: The biggest thing was time. Because if you really study those income reports, most of even like that $60,000 that came in came in at the very end of year one as well. So I went essentially nine months of no revenue mm. um, at all to where I started to turn on the revenue stream And the money started coming in pretty quickly from that point. So that was really the big thing. Um, was it just takes time. It takes patience. It takes delivering free, valuable, and consistent content to an audience that wants that and then asking that audience, once it's large enough, saying, what are you, my audience, that knows, likes, and trusts me, what are you struggling with? Mm. What are some of your struggles? What are some of your obstacles? What are your challenges? And then creating the solution for them in the form of products, services, communities, and just growing it step by step by step. But there's no shortcuts, it just has to have you um grow an audience the right way by delivering that content on a free and valuable basis.
0: and was there anything holding you back during the during the struggle to before becoming, you know, as successful as you are today?
2: Yeah, what holds everybody back, the imposter syndrome. We all have voices in our head that says, <laughs> you know, who am I?' To launch a podcast, to write a blog, to do a video show, to fill in the blank—any doubts that you have comes from the same place: the imposter syndrome. Because you know, back ten thousand years ago, um, if you were ostracized from your small tribe, you were dead. You were ostracized. You needed to have the tribe accept you. So you know, we kind of have this herd mentality innately when we're born as humans, and it's hard to break away from that. But you have to realize that we live in a different world now, where you don't have to just rely on your tribe that's within a one mile radius of you we live in a global world so you know it doesn't matter if nobody on my entire island of puerto rico listens to my podcast and to be honest because most people only speak spanish here most don't Mm. but i have over 1.5 million listens per month globally and that has has turned my business into a seven figure a year business
0: that's huge. And initially, were your audience just from America and it's just grown exponentially year on year? You've, you've managed to reach out to God, God knows how many countries uh, you know better than I do, but um, it must be in the dozens and dozens.
2: 145 as of last count. <laughs> well <Wow>, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, but by far, by far, far, the vast majority comes from the United States, um, followed by Canada, um, Australia and Great Britain, you know, make up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the United. I could actually pull my exact numbers up, but it's something along the lines of like 70-ish percent are United States. And then a combined of those countries that I just shared um, is like another 15 percent. And then the other, you know, 140 countries that I haven't mentioned, you know, make up, you know, a total of like 10 percent.
0: Got you. Okay. Okay. And how did you go about building your team? Because I know you moved from San Diego to to Puerto Rico. Um, And how long ago did you do that? And uh, how have you managed to build your team um, other than yourself? And I know your wife, Kate, works with you as well.
2: Yeah. So we moved on May 1st of 2016. Unfortunately, we had always built our team virtually. So Got you know, on. we had our team that was, some of them were based in the Philippines, some of them were based in uh, places like Pakistan, and we just have this virtual team. And so, nothing changed for them, and essentially nothing changed for us when we move locations because we've truly built a location-independent business.
0: That's awesome. And if you're advising uh, our audience who are looking to start uh, an online business themselves, what, what do you think the, the key hire is, the first hire that you'd make in your business?
2: It has to be where you're weakest. So just think of the things that you're weak at and the things that you don't like doing. Hire somebody who loves doing those things and who's excited about those things and and just hand them off. And so that you can focus on your strengths. You know, for instance, my strengths were having conversations with entrepreneurs and you know, focusing on creating inspiring content. But all the other things, like the repetitive tasks and you know, the organizational side of things, like I had to outsource. Quite quickly, so that I could focus on what was going to make EO Fire greats, while still having the full 360 business running smoothly.
0: That's a, that's a great answer for any any aspiring entrepreneur. And um, looking back at the, you think you've now over easily over one and a half thousand um, podcast interviews that you've done. Are there there tips from entrepreneurship life even that you've um, taken
2: and Put into your own life, into your own business? Absolutely. I mean, number one, you know, we're approaching 1600 interviews. So that's just 1600 conversations with inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. And that's, it's really exciting. And I've taken a lot of things away from having those conversations. But again, you know, one of the biggest things I took away was if you're not somebody who's consistently setting and accomplishing major goals you're going to lose. And that was the reason why I created the Freedom Journal was to guide people into doing what I saw my guests were doing on a daily, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. And I wanted to give the guide, the resource to others to do the exact same thing. So if you're not right now in your life setting and accomplishing goals on a very consistent basis and at a high level, you you simply have to visit thefreedomjournal.com, see what we have going on there and see, you know, the best lesson that I learned from my guests and how I turned it into a resource for you. And
0: could you give the Virgin Startup audience uh, a couple of interviewees that they could go onto the EO Fire website and and look up for for inspiration, aspiration that you'd you'd recommend they they start out with?
2: Yeah, I'd say just go and listen to the most recent ones because you know we're always just interviewing successful and inspiring people and. We're doing some really cool things with the show and you just, you can't miss because everybody has a very inspiring and unique story that comes onto my show. That's one of the prerequisites. You know, we, we do a very intensive application process. So you're going to hear an inspiring, a successful entrepreneur telling really cool, meaningful stories.
0: Good good answer again. And who's still on the wish list to be interviewed?
2: (laughs) You know, I don't have a wish list. There's nobody that I necessarily want to interview. I'm at the stage now where I feel that people find their way to EO Fire that are meant to find their way. We do zero outbound, literally zero. We have over 300 inbound requests every single month of people wanting to be on the show. And those that that make their way through our funnel, um, they're meant to be there. And I love it.
0: That's a a great place to be, John. And um, last question for you is, I read your dream job was to be a a college professor. Do you think you'd still do that one day?
2: (laughs) Not a chance. I don't (laughs) really even believe in traditional education. I think it's um, massively overpriced, mostly a waste of time. And I think that people really need to realize that all the education they need is at their fingertips at Google.com.
0: Great answer once again. And John, how can people find out about yourself, find out about EO Fire, and more importantly, find out about um, The Mastery Journal?
2: EOfire.com is our headquarters. That's where all the magic happens. We have free courses there on podcasting, webinars, goals, funnels. It's all there for you. And if you want to learn more about accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days, the thefreedomjournal.com. And if you want to master three skills that I know are critical to becoming a success as an entrepreneur, snag the Mastery Journal and master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days.
0: John, that was an absolute pleasure. And I'll let you continue with your day and um, have a great one. Alex, thank you. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Today's podcast is brought to you by Safri Shabnas, a top 20 firm of chartered accountants and registered fiduciaries. They pride themselves on consistently providing effective solutions to their entrepreneurial clients, not only on taxation and financial matters, but on business in general. Contact them at safri.com, quoting Startup You. I'm now joined by Tom Burbeck, Virgin Startup Ambassador and Founder of Arc Marine, a business which specialises in designing, producing and deploying artificial reef structures. Tom works closely with local councils and environmental agencies to rehabilitate damaged marine habitat
1: across the world. My name's Tom Burbeck. I'm the co-founder of Arc Marine, um, which is an artificial reef design and construction company. Uh, We're currently working on a project down at Bobster Quay in Somerset, as well as an open water reef uh, in Torbay. And at the moment, we're launching a crowdfund, which will be going live on March the
0: 6th. Awesome. I was going to say, so what are you excited about right now? I suppose it's the crowdfunding campaign, is it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the crowdfunding campaign is is going to be a really really good insight into how many people support uh, ocean conservation. We believe that ocean conservation is growing, and if a lot more people could do their part and uh, contribute to rebuilding and regenerating marine habitats, they could, and we hope to prove that on March the 6th.
0: And what um, was the thinking behind going crowdfunding down the funding route?
1: Um, The original uh, thinking was... Ocean, ocean conservation can only be can only be accomplished by a global a global force. It has to start in the small communities, but it also needs to be uh, finished and, and completed on a, on a worldwide basis. So by starting a crowdfunding campaign, you automatically include uh, the local communities as to where it starts. And from that, you can get a tribe, a following of people, which will then follow you around the country and hopefully worldwide, regenerating on a, on a larger scale, on a, on a bigger impact scale, uh, the damaged marine habitats, which is, which is much needed.
0: Excellent, and and how are you structuring the campaign?
1: Um, so the the campaign is going to be structured by a on a reward basis. Mm-hmm. So um, people that uh, would like to pledge, you can pledge anything from two pounds to twenty five thousand pounds, and what that means is that it gives us the ability to create concrete. Habitats um, for the endangered crayfish in Vobster Key Diving Centre and for commercial fish stocks such as edible crabs and lobsters in the open sea. And this habitat has pretty much been destroyed over hundreds of years of commercial fishing uh weapons testing and and man development on on the coastal on the coastal parts of the uk and uh and the crowdfund will will give people the opportunity to have a plaque on a on a structure which shows that they've donated to the cause Uh, and also we're going to be releasing uh, uh crayfish spat which is juvenile crayfish onto the reef um to regenerate their numbers
0: Awesome. That sounds absolutely fantastic. And and which projects are you you working on at the moment specifically?
1: so at the moment we've got two projects which are running um, the first one uh, started in October last year and that's the Torbay Bay reef project down in Devon and at the moment we have ten structures uh, which are subsea uh, and in the in a short space of time we saw three commercial fish stocks using those structures and um, and it was really great to see that you know in a small space of time it, it actually had a huge positive impact on, on that localized area mm-hmm. uh, so that's something that's going on for about approximately 12 months and then we we aim to expand that reef to a thousand structures wow and at the same time we're also running uh an inland a freshwater test, which is at Vobster Key Diving Centre in Somerset. And Vobster Key is a bespoke dive site, so it already has many dive attractions, such as concrete tunnels, concrete platforms, ships, planes, uh, boats, all that type of stuff, which has already been sunk um, to create artificial reef habitats and also for divers to enjoy and to explore. And we aim to put up to a thousand structures in there to. Um, specifically benefit and regenerate the freshwater crayfish which is a globally endangered species here in the uk and worldwide
0: okay and can you explain on the air what the um the artificial structure looks like i understand the size of large flower pots is that correct
1: um they range They range in size so you're okay. right the, the smallest size can be um, a the size of a small pl- a flower pot so about 25 centimetres high mm-hmm. but they can also range to a two metre high structure which weighs about five tonnes um, and it's a multi it's a multi-purpose structure so the ARC module is what it's called uh, it's a painted product owned by Art Marine and the ARC module doubles up really as an artificial marine habitat for marine life but it also has uh, an equally important use of an anti-trawling device and when doing research on artificial reefs we found that one of the biggest problems local governments uh, local communities and fishery departments have worldwide is they can't police the waters which have been closed to commercial fishing yeah. um, so to prevent illegal fishing you'd have to have uh boats on patrol uh which is hugely time consuming hugely expensive and is ineffective during nighttime and during uh uh weather conditions that don't permit that so by putting a larger structure like a two, like a two meter five ton cube down there if you were to create a barrier along these protected areas it would deter illegal fishing and therefore uh, protect the areas even when people aren't around to to spot the the people breaking the rules
0: so, sounds like it's the way forward then
1: yeah, definitely. I think, um, especially with a, a few com- a few businesses and a few charities who are really pushing for twenty uh, percent of the world's oceans to be protected by the end of twenty twenty, um, I think it's a case of uh, we've we've got to act now to to really have a chance of saving and regenerating uh, what man has damaged. And uh, we we believe that Art Marine has the has the the answer uh, with the art module.
0: And and when did you create this?
1: So the conception of the idea was in 2014, um, we became patent pending in 2016 and our Virgin Startup loan pretty much paid for the whole uh, IP protection process and the prototyping stage and the drawings, everything to get the, the idea to an actual uh, a finalised finalized product.
0: Okay, it sound, sounds fantastic um, and any, any other um, projects in the pipeline at the moment?
1: Um, we've been speaking with a few individuals about private bespoke reefs. Um, but at the moment, I think the, 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 the main goal is to finish what we've started in Torbay, and to uh, to open up this new this new relationship with Vobsterkey, mm. and to uh, and to finish those two projects. But we're we're always we're always looking at alternatives and uh, and new 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 and upcoming things which um, which benefit the marine habitats.
0: And what stage do you decide to start a business um, with your co-founder, become become an entrepreneur essentially?
1: Well, I was working in London for a documentary company and uh, part of my day-to-day was researching projects and I've always been a keen diver uh, and whilst researching uh, artificial reefs in particular i came across my co-founder james Doddrell, who had been part of a project called wreck the world and they had actually rallied support and raised three and a half million pounds to purchase the flagship naval carrier the ark royal Mm -hmm. Uh, and and i I managed to track james down through uh, numerous news articles and uh, when we got together and discussed artificial reefs in more detail we both agreed that although ships do work and they are uh, they are a viable option the life expectancy of a ship underwater is probably 50 to 100 years max before it starts to degrade and is no longer a viable dive site and starts to sort of um, break down and and it will disappear over time so we came up the idea of of mainly a marine friendly concrete mix and looking at what the Japanese do and other countries, concrete seems to be the way forward so we've created a cuboid structure with a sphere inside and what that does is the cuboid structure means that it's the first artificial reef module that can be stacked and connected um, so you can make a habitat from one cube to 150 cubes and the void inside also gives uh, a, a lovely area for fish and uh, other marine life to, to inhabit and, and stay protected protected and also with the connected uh with the connected option of the art module it creates a very heavy subsea structure which means that if an art if, if a, a fishing boat was to go over the reef it would completely uh stop the the boat in its tracks and possibly damage all their nets
0: wow okay that's pretty preventative yeah <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get into the industry yourself in the first place did that come from a hobby is, is the scuba diving something like that
1: yeah, James and I have been uh, passionate from scuba diving from from for years. I mean, I, I got my paddy Open Water course at fourteen. James ran a dive shop in Torquay for a, new, a number of years, so we've always been keen divers. But I think one of the one of the main challenges we experienced with starting an artificial reef project, and that's really what it became. It was a it was a hobby and a passion, which is as James likes to put it, sort of got out of control, <laughs> and now and now here we are, sort of. Pursuing it as a, as a full time job, but I think one of the main uh, hurdles we overcame was become was transitioning from a recreational diver, a sport diver, to a fully commercial diver, which in, which involved James and I spending a month um, based on a, an ex naval ship. Uh, completing a, you know a pretty intense course uh, which included underwater surveying underwater tools um, underwater communications uh, so that was that was pretty intense and it's, it was a, a big wake-up call to sort of welcoming well welcoming us to the commercial the commercial side of the business
0: and was anything holding you back from from doing this before from, be- from becoming an entrepreneur <sighs>
1: Um, I think, I think maybe the, um, waiting for the perfect time. I think it's, it's quite a, um, it, it's quite a false, a false idea that you have to wait for either the finances to be in place or for mm. uh, your personal circumstances to be in place. And I think the best thing James and I did is we just said, well, let's start, let's just start looking into it. Let's build a website. Let's build, build a business model. Let's build a plan and bit by bit, day by day, alongside our, our current jobs. That's what we've done. We've built a business and, uh, and it's, it's now about to take off on March the 6th and then it'll be our full-time work.
0: Right, okay, so you'll both be full-time in the business um, from March 2017.
1: Yeah, that's right. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, very much so, very much so. We're really looking forward to it.
0: And any any hurdles that you, you've had to overcome at the moment um, to get where you are today?
1: Um the- Probably the biggest hurdle with any startup is probably the financial side of things. Um, we're juggling uh, two jobs uh, at, at the moment. Um, we're also – every spare bit of cash goes into the business because uh, it's not paying us a, a wage at the moment. But I think I think that's – it's also made us very creative. The, the biggest hurdle has also – made us look elsewhere and i think that's what um, makes us completely unique to any other ocean conservation projects um that have happened before most of them are run by charities uh or foundations or um or uh, private ind- or personal individuals who who just want to do a one-off project. Where James and I see this as a national project, uh, mm. and we are a limited company, so um, we do expect to be paid for the work, and, and we do want to um, we do want to do this for a job, and and that's what I think sets us apart from everyone else.
0: And with regards to the business model, is it as simple as you generate revenue by taking on a project, and that organisation pays you per project?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the the primary the primary revenue stream will be from artificial reef projects. Whether that's they purely want um, the product itself, which is the ARC module, the yeah. anti trawling and marine habitat block, or whether they would like a, a complete um, sort of uh, start to finish, uh, the the surveying of the reef site, the potential design, the deployment, the the further monitoring. So it it, it is a, a sort of multifaceted. Um, approach you can either just buy the product or you can have the full service
0: okay understood understood Um, and any habits that you think that can contribute to becoming uh, an entrepreneur that you use personally
1: um, I think the uh, one of the most important habits is uh, to prioritize all your time to the business, and that can come as that can come as much as setting aside. When James and I first got together, we used to set aside every Friday, um, and that grew from you know whatever happens, whether it's a birthday party, whether it's uh, a friends party, whether it's a holiday. Make sure for the for that time that you've set that you've set, you are always. You're always working on the business, um, and I think that's a good that's a good discipline to start with, uh, and grow that. For, if it starts with one day, grow it to two days, three days, um, whatever you can manage. But stick to it. Uh, and there's been many times where James and I have had to sacrifice, whether it's family events or birthdays or friends or whatever it is. You, you, you just gotta, you've just got to you've got to sacrifice it, and you've got to know that even though you might you may not be able to do that that activity then. The reason why is the business that you're you're creating, the business that you're prioritising, will will enable you later on to enjoy those times. And I think that's 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 key in in beginning because no one's going to do the business for you. Um, you know that's the thing about being a, a startup and being self-employed and an entrepreneur. Unless you unless you do the work, there's nowhere to hide. You know the work will not be done unless you do it.
0: And do you find that uh, you complement
1: each other's skills? definitely definitely James and I um, are very are very different but we're also on the same page with with regards to our goals so James is extremely uh, hands-on he's very good at design uh, producing and um, creating and whereas I'm sort of slightly business orientated so I'm looking more at the financial side of things the business opportunities Um, although we both work in the construction and the deployment of all our reefs um, it's good to have someone looking at it purely from a creative um, sort of hands-on approach whereas you've got the other end which is me is looking at it from a purely business point of view and does it make does it make sense financially and 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 how those sort of work in tandem throughout the business and we do what we do work very well together i think that's a great a great um a great balance to have in a business
0: and was there was there a shared vision to start with when you when you first met up or did did one uh, one of you sort of paint the picture of the vision to, to the other and then there was buy-in from from the other partner how did that plan out
1: uh, i mean when james and i first met um we we both had the same vision and the overall vision is and always has been uh, to regenerate and to fix the damage that has been done to our marine habitat. Now, whether that was to be with ships or to be with concrete or to be with something completely different, we both shared that same goal. And that was apparent on the first meeting, which really was why we formed the business in the first place, because as long as you have that end goal, and as long as you both believe in that end goal, how each how each of you get there and how each of you believe the company can get there is what gives the strength on, on the people involved. So you've got two angles, you've got two different heads looking at the same problem or the same goal um, and looking to get there in different ways and, and it's just a way of balancing which way we go in and, and and that's what we seem to be doing well at the moment with
0: great and do you think there's something that each individual can do regards marine conservation i know probably not not far from you are there? you've got people like hugh fernley wishing shawl and we've seen programs on, on the tv and what he's trying to create more awareness in in that sphere as well
1: yeah definitely i believe i believe that ocean conservation uh, especially and that well any conservation starts with the individual i think if you have enough individuals in a localized area that can that can set aside some free time to do some work um then that's that's all it took that's what it took with me and james uh we're two uh normal guys who had uh, pretty average jobs and we really wanted to um we really want to see national regeneration projects going on in, in the marine world and and that's how we started uh, and, and because there wasn't one uh, because we couldn't become part of one we have decided to start one but we would definitely definitely um, uh, promote anyone willing to start their own project and to and to get in touch if, if they need any help with doing so
0: that's awesome and what's the easiest way for somebody um, to get in touch with you guys
1: uh, well, we're, we're pretty prominent on all social media. So our Instagram name is ARC Marine. Our Facebook page is ARC Marine. Um, we've also got a website www.arcmarine.co.uk. Www.arcmarine, uh, and there's all email addresses on there that you can contact either James or myself uh, or just send in a message uh, through the contact us page and yeah just just tell us what you're thinking tell us what ideas you've got or what projects you think could work around the uk and we will get in touch and see see what's about
0: awesome and just to, to, to finish off uh tom tell me what what's a typical working day look like or going to look like i suppose when you go full time uh, for you and james
1: uh well that's the best thing about it uh the <laughs> the work the typical the typical working day can involve anything from getting up at Five thirty in the morning, uh, being on the water for six, um, and then being, uh, you know, fifteen meters down, surveying a reef, um, and then you know back in uh, to make more concrete structures, uh, and then down round a table working out a deployment schedule for how those are going to go down. Um, we're at the moment we're we're currently um, working on uh, Vobster Key and we're we're really excited to sort of involve as many local divers to that area as possible, so if there is anyone listening who is part of an inland diving center who would like to dive obstege or be part of it, um, please feel free again to get in touch and uh, and yeah all the help all the helps uh appreciated
0: cool and and when you get some downtime i don't know when you're schedule- scheduling that in with the uh, <laughs> with the agenda you've got, but what do you like to do?
1: Um, we like to, we like to go for a fun dive. Um, so, you know, James and I, although we work in the diving world now, we still like to relax by either diving, uh, an already established reef, um, diving marine conservation zones where life's being protected. Um, but that's also where, how we spend our dive, our downtime is, um, is by just uh, just just enjoying what we've done, really spending time with family. James and I are both family men. We've both got young children of the same age of six, um, so yeah, that's that's really it, really family, family and work.
0: Cool. And uh, what are you reading at the moment? Any any favourite books?
1: Um, I'm actually reading. Um, I think it's called. It's it's to do with Shackleton's uh, adventure to the to the pole. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm reading at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's so. Uh, that's it. Cool. And uh, any favorite movies? <laughs> favorite movies. Um, seen or, anything
0: recently, or any any classics that you'd? Uh...
1: the The documentary Before the Flood with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, that was that was probably that's probably the best thing I've seen in a couple of years. And it was nice to see uh, people like Sylvia Earle and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and really high really high profile individuals sort of take note of the the climate change and and yeah i think that's the best film i've seen in a couple of years
0: cool um and do you listen to music whilst you're working or relaxing
1: <laughs> yeah we've uh, we've got a few soundtracks um that we listen to one of the most prominent i think was um is it the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack that we used to listen oh, to yeah. okay. uh, when we were uh, when we were prototyping for the for the art module and one of the one of the songs that is really prominent is um the pina colada song for some reason every time every time we'd we'd come up with a new aspect of the business the pina colada song would somehow find its way on and we'd be sort of singing along to that
0: brilliant brilliant um and it, either of you get gadget men or um any latest gadgets uh, that you recommend I, I,
1: I mean, gadgets, I mean, we've got some, we've got some pretty cool gadgets in, in for work. We've got an underwater metal detector, which we use awesome. for surveys. Yeah. Um, and obviously, hopefully, we, we will identify maybe some lost wrecks with that. Uh, we've also got some pretty cool underwater, uh, some underwater communications equipment uh, and full face masks, which were from Ocean Reef, um, which, again, were, were a really, top, was really top gadgets, top equipment, and it's, uh, it's pioneering stuff, really, for the diving world. Cool. and and just to
0: finish off um, there's probably a bunch of them but any, any particular charities that you guys are working with
1: um so we've we're looking to do a project with a uh, a charity foundation called Blue marine um, which are based i think they're actually uh, they're actually doing a project in the Solent in lime Bay but they're looking to do a national project um starting with four protected sites and and on the uh, on the success of that they'll be going nationally and we're also we're also working closely again with virgin startup virgin unite um and yeah that's uh, that's it for the moment but we'll uh we're, we're going to aim to to affiliate with a few more after this first crowdfund
0: awesome well thanks so much for your time tom
1: brilliant thanks a lot for having me alex
0: If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by Rocket Spark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great looking website. Each month Rocket Spark offers one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screw it just do it to enter.